Hello and welcome to Weekly MTG, a very exciting Weekly MTG. First of all, because I have Aaron Forsyth here joining us to talk all things Lord of the Rings today. We have a ton of preview cards. Uh, it's also exciting because, as you may know, we got, we got some fancy backgrounds yeah. here. Yeah, this is actually um, our other office. We're, we're in the middle of moving, and so this is kind of our secondary office, and it's somehow nicer than the studio that uh, we've been doing back home. Uh, this isn't actually our studio. It's a game room, but it's pretty cool. So anyway, uh, I, I fancy background. I here. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've played Magic here. It's, it's a nice place to game. But today, it's going to be a nice place to show you a bunch of Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle-Earth cards. Uh, we're just going to do that Let's the do whole it. time. Let's do it. And we're gonna, so, but first of all, now you're not, um, you're not typically involved in, in the day-to-day -to, -day to the set, but you had a pretty big hand in this set, right? Um, well, I had a big hand in getting this thing off the ground. Mm -hmm. um, when we were formulating the universes beyond plan as a whole, like Lord of the Rings was always the top tier kind of thing we wanted to do to mm -hmm. show that this thing can work and w work really well for Magic. And so the fact that we got them as partners right off the bat for our first big set is incredible. Um, so yeah, once once that started, I just let the team rip. Uh, I got to poke my head in and say, hey, I think this is great. I think this could use some more work. Um, just kind of steer the ship a little bit from from afar, and but mostly everybody did an amazing job. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna see some of those cards that people did an amazing job on. We're gonna start. We're gonna talk about. So last week we looked at um, Battle of Isengard, the Ents on the March, that whole thing. Destruction of Isengard was the scene that we looked at. Uh, today we're going to look at the Scouring of the Shire. So for those who don't know, the Scouring of the Shire, uh, at the very end of the books, um, after the main battles in the War of the Ring took place, the Scouring of the Shire was sort of the hobbits returned to their home, and it wasn't their home anymore. Um, it had been taken over by some malevolent forces, some of which we'll see here. Uh, so first of all, let's start with our first preview card, which is the Shire Sheriff. So this is one in a white for a halfling soldier. It's a 2-2, two -two, has vigilance. When Shire Sheriff enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a token. When you do, exile target creature and opponent controls until Shire Sheriff leaves the battlefield. So can you tell us a little bit about this design? Yeah, so this is a, a much cheaper version of uh, the kind of Banisher Priest mm -hmm. um, creature that we often do in white uh, that can rem temporarily remove an opponent's creature. Uh, we get to shave a mana typically off the cost here because it requires that you have a token yep. uh, in play to get it to work. So that can be, you know, whether it's a 1-1 one, one halfling token or a food token that you probably should have lying around, treasure token, whatever. You need something to fuel this, but you get uh, a, a real discount on, on this effect. Yeah. And, and your worst case scenario is a 2-2 two, two for 2 with vigilance, which right. limited is That's just right. totally fine. All right, our second card in the Scouring of the Shire scene, uh, slightly more powerful. First one's a good card. This one's this one is pretty strong. Yeah, this so one's a much higher rarity and a much more <laughs> uh, impactful effect. Um, if you read this, it's probably reminiscent of the Meat Hook Massacre mm -hmm. from uh, Midnight Hunt. Big sweeper stays on the board with a permanent effect that benefits you from all of your opponent's creatures dying. Uh, so this one does X to everything your, everything in play, and any time an opponent's creature dies, you get treasure. Uh, so this you know represents the, the the evil forces kind of laying ruin to the Shire, mm -hmm. uh, and and benefiting from that those actions. Yep, picking up a treasure, and you see that that flavor text there, 
one ill turn deserves another from Soromon. So Soromon was, of course, involved deeply in the scouring of the Shire. Yeah. Um, it's where he ran to after the fall of Isengard. Yeah, so. these, these story movements are, are deep cuts for, for book fans. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, this is uh, a, a scene that happens near the end, um, as Blake mentioned. Yeah. That not not a lot of people know know this these these story beats exactly. It, it is one of the less famous scenes, but it's it's how Sauron dies, which we talked about last week. Um, it also shows how the the four hobbits who went on the journey have evolved over the course, and and they became leaders here and and helped take back the Shire, which we see yep, we'll in see the next in, uh, in the next scene. So this is all four cards put together. So Pippin, guard of the Citadel. Spiteful Banditry, Rosy Cotton of South Lane, uh, Pippin and Rosy Cotton we'd both seen before, and then Shire Sheriff down there on the right. Those four cards make up this scene, and then here let's see the full art as well to appreciate it in all its glory from Martina Fakova. Yeah, Mary and Pippin were kind of the leaders of the, the, the Hobbit army here mm -hmm. against the evil forces using all of their hard-earned uh, military prowess that they got from the, the earlier parts of War of the Ring. Uh, and this is the, the, final, the final battle um, of the entire War of the Ring. This yeah. is the last, the last bastion of evil that the hobbits have to uh, expunge from Middle-earth. Yeah. Yeah, and the actual, and, and you know, we talked about this last week too, the, the scenes are not just limited. If, if you're trying to play out the scene or collect the scene or just live through parts of the scene, the scene is not the only thing taking place for that part of the book. So we actually have a card called the Battle of Bywater, um, which is, oh, yeah. is known as the final battle in the War of the Ring. So this is so one white and a white for a sorcery, destroy all creatures with power three or greater. So not hobbits basically. Right, right. Uh, then create a food token for each creature you control. And you see that flavor text there, again, filling in what's happening in the story. The Tooks marched in with Pippin at their head. Mary ha now had enough sturdy hobbitry to deal with the ruffians. Um, so what, what goes into building, you know, the Battle of Bywater, seminal moment in the story, what goes into building cards around these moments like this? Well, we're trying to map um, you know, really flavorful moments that matter in the story to effects that make sense on magic cards. And specifically when we're building a whole set, you know, we have our list of effects we need in order for the set to play well. I think it's generally pretty easy to design individual flavorful cards for specific characters or specific moments. Mm -hmm. uh, but the real artistry comes from weaving those together into a, you know, a playable product or, or a, a, a good play environment. And so having sweepers um, like this is, is a big part of making something like that good. Um, and especially one here that can reward a certain play style, like building a hobbit deck, for instance, or building a deck full of small, cheap creatures, um, and then you know, punishing your opponent for their, their larger, more aggressive, or, or, or bigger enemies, and then you know, throw in the benefit of, of extra food for doing that. And it's an incredible way to stabilize um, a game. If you're losing, your little hobbits can, can then rally from there. Uh, which is a perfect marriage of, of what goes on in the story mm -hmm. uh, and, and good gameplay and fun gameplay. Yeah. Well, and I like that our next card also shows that you built in, like, the little pieces. So, you know, here we see the Tooks marching in to battle, and then we have um, our next card, Took Reaper, 
uh, is simple common, but this is one of the Tooks who, who marched into battle. And it's, it's just, it's a, you know, one and a white for a 2-1. When Took Reaper dies, the ring tempts you. Um, yeah, so you, you built a lot of that structure around these bits, too. Yep, yep. When we needed to fill out, you know, lots and lots of commons for the set, we had to find um, creatures of all types from different points in the story. Uh, the, the more mundane folk, uh, all the legendary creatures are at, at higher rarity. Uh, but this is a good example of us making a common that fits both the story and the flavor and the mechanics of the set. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of next, so we are, we are actually going to show Sharky. I want to show Sharky, but we're going to hold Sharky for a moment, even though Sharky's part in the story happens before this next card. But um, after the Battle of Bywater, um, they, they sort of bring the Shire back. In fact, they revive the Shire, which is our next preview card. So one and a green for a sorcery. Return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Create a food token. Tell us about this card, Aaron. Right, really simple effect. Um, done it in green many times. The food is kind of a nod to the, the Hobbit themes throughout the set. Mm -hmm. and, and this shows, you know, the, the, the party tree where Bilbo's birthday took place, kind of regrowing after the devastation of the scouring. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just a, a, a generally useful card mm -hmm. and a clean common. All right. Slightly less clean is our next card, but yeah. very cool. Uh, so Sharky, Tyrant of the Shire. I'm going to read this first and then give a little background on Sharky. Uh, again, people may not be familiar with this portion of the story. But two, a blue and a black for a legendary creature, Avatar Rogue. People may notice that the, the Luvatar, the, the wizards, have that Avatar uh, type line. So that's a, that's a hint if you aren't sure who this is. But activated abilities of lands your opponent's control can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. Sharky, Tyrant of the Shire, has all activated abilities of lands your opponent's control except mana abilities. And then mana of any type can be spent to activate Sharky's abilities. Okay, so first of all, Sharky is Sauron. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Sorry for these books that have been out for a very long time. Um, Sharky is Sauron. He comes to the Shire uh, at the end of it all. He's sort of behind the uh, scouring of the Shire, um, right. and he then... He escapes Isengard, yep. where he had been imprisoned, uh, held there by the Ents, uh, managed to sneak out. <coughs> he has a network of folks here in the Shire, uh, including Lotho, that is, you know, he's been building up to try to industrialize the whole place mm -hmm. and, and start up kind of the, the military-industrial complex once again. Um, so here, yeah, this is a, a really wacky design. Uh, we wanted to show a you know blue-black character somehow taking over the land, yep. uh, which is not something blue or black typically does. Uh, you know, they don't destroy lands very often. Um, we didn't want them necessarily stealing lands because that's not great gameplay. But the, the stealing the abilities of uh, of your opponent's lands is exactly the flavor we wanted mm -hmm. for this implementation of the kind of uh, street-level depowered. Saruman. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of depowered, again, spoiler alert, I guess, cover your ears, um, but he is actually killed by Wormtongue for the end of it all. Um, right. Who is, think, and then Wormtongue is in yeah. it. I think we saw that card. We um, did. We saw it last week. Yeah, he. It's. I think it's on the front steps of Bag End uh, is where Wormtongue kills Saruman. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, so that's what we have from Scouring of the Shire. Um, before before we go on to Goldberry, you you know, last week we showed the destruction of Isengard. We talked about Scouring of the Shire. Do you have a favorite moment or battle in the books? Um, it would be the battle at Helm's Deep. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard not to love that one. Mm -hmm. uh, just that kind of foreboding sense of doom. Uh, but, but, you know, the... The fellowship managed to rally and, mm -hmm. and 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 save the day, which is a uh, very inspiring. It is. All right, for our next card, some people in chat already pointed this out. It says Goldberry at the bottom. So, um, way back when we revealed Tom Bombadil as one of the first cards in the set, and Tom Bombadil was um, a home run. I relayed this story before, but when I was talking to Mike Turian about the set. I was like, I'm kind of excited about it. I haven't looked at any cards. He was just, and this was digitally, he was just kind of like, here, and just showed me Tom Bombadil. I was like, all right, I'm sold. Um, but this set goes deeper than that, oh, yeah. and Tom Bombadil has a wife. He does. Goldberry. So uh, let's take a look at Goldberry's card. So Goldberry River Daughter, one and a blue for a legendary creature, Nymph. One and a three, one, uh, is a one three, has the ability tap, Move a counter of each kind, not on Goldberry River Daughter, from another target permanent you control onto Goldberry, and then blue and tap, move one or more counters from Goldberry onto another target permanent you control if you do draw a card. This is a strange card, Aaron. It is a very strange card. Um, Goldberry is a strange character. Um, she's kind of a one-of-a-kind being in Middle-earth, at least in the stories that we were told about it. Um, and we wanted her as Tom Bombadil's wife to mm -hmm. work with Tom. Uh, so her abilities can affect sagas by moving a lore counter from a saga onto Goldberry. Mm -hmm. um, but we didn't want it to stop there. We didn't want another super narrow uh, sagas only card. So sh she can also move plus one, plus one counters or corruption counters or any other kind of counter that you may have lying around onto herself. And then later on the next turn, shunt that counter off onto something else. So the, the crazy thing is she can take a lore counter off a of Saga and then put that lore counter on, a, on say, a creature, just, just to get rid of just it. Cause, just because, yep. just because. So yeah. you, can, you can keep, you know, every other turn, kind of cycle your Sagas down uh, to get some repeat effects, um, move that lore counter somewhere where it's not really going to matter, and then draw a card. Mm -hmm. Or you can move plus one, plus one counters, which will matter where you put them uh, from one creature to another, et cetera, et cetera. So, Lots of crazy things you can do with this card. Uh, putting counters in places that are unexpected uh, where they might not make any sense or somewhere there's some cool combos to be had. You can move flying counters and indestructible counters and mm -hmm. all the other kinds of counters we printed all over the place. Um, so super open-ended, yeah. uh, and, and, and al but also at the same time works really well with Tom. Very cool. All right, let's move on now. As you just follow along at the bottom. We're doing the things. Jumpstart. Um, Jumpstart, so... Tell us a little bit about this Jumpstart product. How many unique cards are there? Uh, there's five unique rares. Mm -hmm. um, so th this product is uh, a great way to, to get people to start playing if they're not into building decks or they don't want to play Commander, but they want to get, you know, hit the ground running with a kind of uh, customizable, unique experience. So there's a, a, a packet for each uh, color that plays into the themes of the set, and each one has its own uh, unique face card that that shows up only in, in the Jumpstart product. Okay, and they're all Lord of the Rings cards. Oh, all, all of it, 100%. Top cool. to bottom, Lord of the Rings. All right. Well, let's take a look at the five unique rares. The first one is Serdok, 
Master of Buckland. So three and a white for a legendary creature, halfling, citizen, a 2-4. Whenever he or another non-token creature with power two or less enters the battlefield under your control, create a 1-1 white halfling creature token. And then you can tap two other untapped halflings you control. Saradoc gets plus two, plus zero, and gains lifelink until end of turn. So first of all, who is this? This is not uh, main character. Saradoc is Mariadoc, or Mary's father. Okay. Uh, the master of Buckland, which is part of uh, the Hobbit lands of Shire. Mm -hmm. uh, he shows up at, at Bilbo's birthday. He's not really a, a major character in the books at all, but he is one. And we, some, you know, as we make more and more cards for these products, we've got to go a little deeper on the roster. Yeah. So here he is. Yeah. Uh, kind of uh, traditional magic leadership, build a deck around him, build a deck around uh, two power or less creatures, which in white in this set is almost all hobbits, and they benefit with more hobbits, and then you can tap those, which are halfling tokens, um, to get, make himself into a 4-4 lifelinker. Uh, and if you have even more, you can make him a 6-4, an 8-4, etc., etc. So uh, he can really get in there and, and gain you some life. Great. Now, we do have a couple questions about Jumpstart that I want to address sure. before moving on, because um, they're good questions. So uh, first, of all, first of all, are the exclusive Jumpstart cards also modern legal? Absolutely. They have the same expansion symbol, mm -hmm. um, so they're considered just part of the set. Uh, the only thing different is where you get them. Yep. Uh, you can get, you can get the extended art version, I believe, in collector boosters. Yep. So, uh, when when I say they're just in jumpstart packs, all of these cards also appear in in collector boosters. So yes, they're modern legal. Feel free to to brew away in modern and and alchemy actually on and uh, historic yes. on arena. Yep. Yeah, you can always tell. So the the difference in legality in this set is is the commander cards are not going to be modern legal. They're going to have a different set symbol. And also in the lower left-hand corner, their set code is LTC instead of LTR. And we'll see some of those coming up here. Yeah. Um, and then I think that answered the second question I saw about where you can get these cards. Because yeah, you also mentioned that the, the regular ones in Jumpstart Boosters, but the extended version ones can be found in Collector Boosters. All right, let's keep going. Our next Jumpstart card is Elvish Mariner. So it's two and a blue for a creature elf pilot. I think that's our first elf pilot. It, it, it may well be. be. <laughs> Three, two. Uh, when el whenever Elvish Mariner attacks, scry one. When you scry, tap up to X target non-land permanence, where X is the number of cards looked at while scrying this way. So I, I want to spend a little time here, Aaron, talking about scrying and scrying matters as the Elvish mechanic. How did that come to be? Well, we wanted to come up with a, a unique play pattern for the Elf deck, which is blue and green. Um, and scrying kind of leaned into their uh, ability for, for many of them to peer into the future uh, and their agelessness and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a really just a, there's a lot of, that's not a, been a space magic has explored much of benefiting you when you scry. Um, and it just fit really well uh, onto cards like Elrond, Galadriel, etc. And so we built a support network around other cards that care about when you scry. Uh, there's a really cool Arwen at Uncommon that works really well with this. Um, and the deck's super fun. The, the once, once it gets rolling and you start looking at cards and putting the ones you don't need on the bottom, the juice just keeps flowing and flowing and the deck just runs beautifully. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you get this guy in Jumpstart, you can see all the other cards allow you to scry. It's going to keep your opponent's stuff tapped down. If you, if you can scry at instant speed, you can prevent them from attacking you. You can 
tap things down to make sure they can never block. It's a, a really sweet card. Yeah. Um, Rules question from chat. Do you choose targets after you scry? Whenever you scry, yes. Great. All right. Our next one is the Black Rare, which is another version of some cards we've seen. So this is Ringwraiths for Black Black Creature Wraith Knight 5-5. Five, five. When Ringwraiths enters the battlefield, target creature and opponent controls get minus 3, minus 3 until end of turn. If that creature is legendary, its controller loses 3 life. And when the ring tempts you, return Ringwraith from your graveyard to your hand. Aaron, tell us about this card. Yeah, the classic depiction of the Black Riders. Uh, you know, we have the Witch King in the main set. We have the Nazgul with nine different art in the main set. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not a gag that would have poured it over well into the Jumpstart packet, so we wanted another e expression of the Ringwraiths. Um, and so here they are. They keep coming back. They terrorize the, the legendary characters that represent kind of the Fellowship. Mm -hmm. uh, just a really powerful recursive threat that, that uh, kills things, just does it all, uh, and, and benefits you from, from uh, playing with cards that make the ring tempt you. Yeah. All right. Our next card is the Red Rare, Assault on Osgiliath. So X, red, 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 amass orcs X. Then goblins and orcs you control gain double strike and haste until end of turn. Aaron, what's going on here? So Osgiliath is kind of the continuously besieged uh, former capital of Gondor. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, as, as we encounter it in the story, the, the forces of evil are, are constantly attacking it. So here we are with the card that represents that. You can make a gigantic uh, orc army and, and then everything, all of your orcs and other goblins just come over and, and pummel your opponent for tons and tons of damage. Um, a really explosive finisher, uh, right, for like seven mana for it's given uh, four power haste double striker, uh, in addition to giving everything else double strike as well. So watch out for this one if you're playing Jumpstart. Very cool. All right, our last one is another of those deep cuts. This is Eleanor Gardner. Three and a green for legendary creature, halfling scout, two, four. When Eleanor Gardner enters the battlefield, create a food token at the beginning of your end step. If you sacrifice the food this turn, you may search your library for a basic land card, put that card onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So it kind of turns your, your food into rampant growth. Mm -hmm. uh, who, who is this? Uh, as the flavor text explains, this is one of Sam Wise's uh, children. So the art of Sam with his kids sitting under the tree reading the book. This mm -hmm. is this is one of them grown up. Uh, they changed their surname to Gardner, uh, I guess in honor of, of Sam. And then, so they talk more about what happens with Sam and his family and his children at the end of the book, at the very end. And so this is, yeah, um, one of the kind of the heirs to Bag End. Uh, and part of Sam's lineage and playing into those themes of food, which is huge for the hobbits, and ramp, which is always uh, super powerful in, in Commander and other formats. So a really cute card. All right. This is adorable. It is an adorable card. Um, okay. We've had a lot of requests for the box toppers. And, and Aaron, you uh, were pretty instrumental in picking the box toppers, correct? Yeah. Um, this is the place where I got to be tactical working on this product, which is super cool. Um, Mike Turian, who is the product architect, you know, came to me and said, we want to figure out some way to get <coughs> some cool reprints into the set. 
And at the same time, the design team was struggling with there are so many lands and artifacts that we would love to make cards of, but just don't fit well into the structure of a playable magic product. We, we don't want to set with 50 non-basic lands in it, even though there are really 50 really cool places to show from, from these stories. Um, so mapping those places and some of these other cool weapons and other artifacts that we didn't get to put into the set onto these powerful magic cards mm -hmm. that already exist, um, using that kind of vanity treatment, uh, which just seemed like a perfect marriage, a way to get you know, some really sweet reprints into the product, uh, show art of these places that we couldn't otherwise fit into the set. Um, and if you know, you're, you're building, these, some of these just plug in so well to the, the commander decks that we've made. If you want to build your own commander decks that are fully Lord of the Rings themed, this is a great way to kind of power those up with some really famous, awesome magic cards. Yeah, and, and um, speaking of which, just as a reminder, you can get these buying any box. Yep. So draft booster box, set booster box, collector booster box. You will get one of these as a box topper. You can also get them in collector boosters as well. That's right. That's right. All right. So let's take a look at these. The first one is the updated version of Sword of Hearth and Home, Hergrim Sword of Rohan. So uh, Aaron, how'd you pick this card? Well, as the lead of Modern Horizons 2, I was looking to see if I could sneak a few of those cards into here, <laughs> uh, and this was a, a good fit. This is Theoden's sword, the king of, uh, of Rohan. Mm -hmm. um, now, in the story, that sword is not really a magical weapon with, with awesome powers, but hey, this is Magic the Gathering. Of course, our cool weapons are going to do cool things, um, so just it's, a, it's a, one of the most beneficial swords we make, as opposed to kind of destructive, which a lot of our sword designs are. Mm -hmm. This one's very beneficial. Uh, uses it to protect his people. It was just a cool fit. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, yeah, that was King Theoden's sword. He died with it in his hands at Pelennor Field. I have all these cool facts oh, yeah, in yeah. here. If yep, anyone yes has, did. has questions, <laughs> they will not go to waste. All right, the next one is the new version of Sword of the Animist, also known now as Ring of Barahir. So, Aaron, what is the Ring of Barahir? Um, Let's see. That it's the ring that Aragorn wears uh, that represents him as what a man of Numenor. Yes, the king of Numenor, the king, heir, heir, right, right. heir of Numenor. Right. Um, and and he ends up passing this on to Arwen. Uh, just a, a really uh, um, famous heirloom that gets passed down. Mm -hmm. And again, maybe it doesn't have magical powers in the book, but it's a, a really cool. This is a, a really fun equipment that gets tons of play, mm -hmm. uh, another be very beneficial kind of good feeling card, uh, and it mapped well to this this relic. So how, how much did you, you talked about, you know, you wanted to get an MH2 card in there, this is highly played, what was sort of that, I guess, math you did for, for picking cards that were highly played versus uh, made sense as this item or right it had right it, I mean it, it had to be we tried to get it to be both every chance we got like yeah. a, a card that people really like and gets a ton of play um, and you know people have been asking us to reprint um, but has to fit pretty well you know um, with the source material and has to make sense if we were to erase the the original magic name and write this on here if we just printed that in the main set and you'd never seen this design before would it make sense to people mm -hmm. um, so other than us kind of bestowing uh, abilities onto things that might not otherwise have anything specified in the book, uh, I think for the most part we did an excellent job matching these creatively and mechanically uh, in cool ways that are making cards that people are going to be excited to open. All right. Cool. 
Our next one is updated version of Thorn of Amethyst, now cast as the Shards of Narsil. So, Aaron, what are the Shards right, of Narsil? So this is the, 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 the sword that cut off the ring from Sauron, mm -hmm. uh, broken, so it's no longer really a weapon in this form. It gets reforged um, later on in the story. But here, it's it's not something that you can carry into battle. So we made it into a, 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 a famous non-creature or non-equipment artifact here, Thorn of Amethyst. All right. Next one, uh, I, I've seen a couple people in chat asking for this one. Cabal Coffers is now Minas Morgul. So this is the former fortress of Gondor that was taken by Mordor and used as a base from which they launched attacks. Um, how'd you land on this one? Yeah, this is the Fortress of the Witch King. Mm -hmm. um, this is kind of the most famous you know, black mana producing land in magic. Super powerful, uh, lo long pedigree, sees tons of play. Uh, I remember playing it in Standard back in, in Odyssey days, and mm -hmm. now it's just a huge part of uh, so many black commander decks. Um, <coughs> and also modern legal. So some of these cards, even though they're, they have the commander expansion symbol, and we're saying that doesn't mean they're modern legal, if these cards uh, in their normal version exist in modern legal forms. These cards are modern legal, so feel free to put this one in your in your modern decks. Um, but yeah, as far as like awesome looking card that represents a super iconic location, uh, it was an easy match to kind of the most iconic black land in Magic. Yep. All right, next up we have, I'm gonna mispronounce this, Medicel Golden Hall of Edoras. Uh, also known as Castle Ardenvel in the magic world. Uh, what, what is this Golden Hall, Aaron? The, this is the, the kind of seat of power of Rohan, um, where Theoden rules from. Uh, it's, it's just an awesome building there in their capital city, which is Edoras. Uh, and so it produces uh, humans, which is, is as Rohan is, is the, the stronghold of humans mm -hmm. um, here in Middle-earth. All right. We've got, we've got a couple of spicy lands coming up. Um, these, these are pr some pretty strong ones. We're going to start with an updated version of Gemstone Caverns, known as the Glittering Caves of Aglaron. Yep. These are the caves that uh, they take refuge, the citizens take of, of Rohan take refuge in during the Battle of Helm's Deep. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Gimli comes back and kind of becomes the ruler of these after the story concludes. Uh, and it is a gemstone cavern. So this was another one where it's like, <laughs> wow, what a perfect match uh, creatively to a, a well-known magic card. Mm -hmm. um, and here it is in all its beauty. Yeah, some of these just fit perfect. Right, some of like these you're bam. like, yeah, this could be an interpretation of this, and others it's just, this, this is it. Yeah. Uh, the next one, uh, very popular land that we've seen, that has seen plenty of play over the years, Horizon Canopy, now known as Bag End. Bag End, what is Bag End, Aaron? Bag End is uh, Bilbo and Frodo's home in the Shire. Um, so this one's a, a minor stretch. It was <laughs> a great fit, though, from my perspective, in that it's green and white, so mm -hmm. that's the Hobbit colors through and through. Yep. Um, and then in the story, when Frodo goes to leave to head to Rivendell, he sells it. Mm. Um, and so that's what you can do here, cash it in for a card. Nice. You can sell Bag End <laughs> yourself uh, once you no longer need it. Good. All right, next one. I saw someone in chat asking for this one. So we have the White Tower Vicfelion, also known as Caracas. 
Uh, tell us about this one here. Yeah, this is just the, the spire at the top of uh, Minas Tirith. Um, famous white land, actually, like, so powerful that it's banned in Commander. Mm -hmm. um, it still sees a little bit of uh, legacy play. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, I love this card here. Staple in Canadian Highlander. Oh, I couldn't get through sure, a show without sure. mentioning Canadian go. Highlander, but it's a staple in that format. Mention it every time. Uh, next up, we have another popular one in Commander. This is an updated version of Core Haven. This is Osgiliath Fallen Capital. Tell us about this, Aaron. Right, so we mentioned Osgiliath earlier. Um, it's the, the former capital of Gondor that's constantly um, trading hands as it's besieged by the, the forces of, of Sauron and then recaptured by, by Gondor and so on back and forth. Um, so to represent that here, Corhaven was cool because it's a white aligned land. It no longer produces white mana. It doesn't produce white mana, so that that's kind of the you know the mm -hmm. the fallen the fallen part of this. Oh, but nice. um, it, it's very combat oriented. It's kind of a version of Maze of Ith. Uh, it can prevent a creature from attacking you, which is what what the Gondorians are doing uh, most of the time. They're here trying to prevent them from be themselves from being attacked. Yeah. All right, the next one, actually, I love the flavor on this one. So this is uh, an updated version of Mouth of Ronum, but it is uh, Redhorn Pass. And, and so for those who don't know, Redhorn Pass is where the Fellowship tried to cross, um, but they were forced to turn back due to harsh weather and falling rocks. Right, so here it is, a snow land. Uh, this is kind of the, the, the most utilitarian snow land that has, that has use uh, index other, that aren't just fully snow. Mm -hmm. uh, it deals damage to creatures, so that's showing the kind of treachery that the Fellowship encountered as they came through here. Uh, I think it's also called like the Gap of Caradras, mm -hmm. uh, for those who have read the books more recently. Um, but yeah, so this, they had to turn around from here and ended up going through Moria. Uh, we wanted. I thought it would be really cool to figure out a way to get a snow land in here, and this was the best way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you were telling me about the flavor behind this next one before, and this is it, it's fantastic. So this is a Boral Palace in the Clouds, now known as Buckleberry Ferry. Yeah, it, I, I, I love this this particular marriage uh, of function and, and form. You can return the fairy. Like, that's just what a fairy does. It goes <laughs> back and forth. So uh, you can return Buckleberry Fairy to its owner's hand. Uh, this card has kind of... Uh, it, it's an it's a obscure card, but one that shows up in a lot of, I guess, CEDH decks or other, other uh, high-powered commander decks. Um, really niche functionality, um, but, but pretty powerful under the surface. So, and I just love this art. It's so homey mm -hmm. uh, and, and evokes the story so well uh, and just this is just a beautiful is that, that build a pony it it? That, that is that's build a pony build a pony he shows up in, in unexpected places <laughs> love build a pony all right uh, next up we have in of the prancing pony also known as pillar of the Perunes. right so this is not this pony is not bill unfortunately this is not Bill. now uh, this is the in in Bree where they meet Strider, a.k.a. Aragorn, for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, just a great utility land. Um, if you're building a deck with all these legendary characters, many of them are multicolored, so this was a, a, a cool way to let you have all of those cards in the same deck. Um, there were some cool standard decks revolving around this card back in the day, and so here it is again. All right. 
And then we've got three more lands to look at. The next one, another multicolor land. Um, this one, very well known, Reflecting Pool, also very much appropriately, is Henneth Anun. Yeah, so this was the pool where Faramir uh, captured and ended up interrogating uh, Sam and Frodo. Uh, Gollum kind of desecrated this sacred place, uh, which almost got them in, in some real trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as, again, another perfect match of what this is onto the magic concept, it is a reflecting pool. It's a sacred pool for uh, the rangers and a very powerful card that sees a ton of play. So here it is. All right. And then two left. You mentioned Helm's Deep as, as your favorite yeah, yeah. part of yep. the books. Yep. And so we've got to have a Helm's Deep in here. And here it is in Shinka, the Blood-Soaked Keep. How'd you match these two up? It's a keep. Uh, Rohan is, is red and white in our card set. So finding a land that fit those colors is, is awesome. It benefits legendary creatures, as we know, you know, Aragorn and Theoden and all these other legendary creatures kind of had their one of their finest moments mm -hmm. here in this battle. Um, really easy land to slot into. Oh, so many commander decks that are red. It's kind of free, powerful legendary land that can make your commanders uh, really hard to block. And that's yeah. just a, a great, a great card. All right. Before we get to this last one, chat, we do have time for Q&A at the end. So if you have questions for Aaron, please feel free to put them yeah. in the chat and we'll answer as many as we're able. Uh, if you tag at magic, it'll make it a little bit easier for me to see it. Um, but otherwise, we'll get to as many questions as we can. And I have been watching. I know what you want. It's like I, it's like I knew what was going to happen. We are going to show the last land, and it's what you've all been asking for. It is an updated version of Urborg, formerly the Tomb of Yawgmoth, now the Dead Marshes. How'd you pair these up? Uh, again, another famous black land and magic and uh, incredibly iconic location in uh, Mordor. This is where Sam, Gollum, and Frodo uh, have to travail through here and they see the bodies of uh, fallen warriors from an ancient war, uh, elves and men and orcs lying there staring up at them. It's super creepy, um, just like Urborg is super creepy and I expect this one to be a big hit. Absolutely. I, I, the way chat's reacting, I, I think it is a big hit. All right, let's go uh, through some of these questions. All right, easy one. When will the commander deck lists come out? So those are coming out. Today is Tuesday. They are going to be showing up on Thursday. So they are coming. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up the outlets that they are coming to. Um, while I do that, I've gotten a couple questions, Aaron, and, and you and I have had some conversations in this space. and. Basically, it comes down to why make this set modern legal if it's not going to be like Modern Horizons 3. Can you talk a little bit about the, the power level versus sure. the legality? Um, so we started down this journey with this set many years ago at this point. Um, the original first draft had it just being kind of the commander legacy legal that uh, sets like um, Battle for Baldur's Gate, War, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but the more we worked on this, the more we felt like, well, why wouldn't we want um, as many people as possible to, to engage with this and give them as many places to play with it as possible? Especially we're going to have newer players coming in. They're going to want some format that maybe, that maybe isn't multiplayer. Um, it just seemed like a product that we could do a lot of cool things with. Mm -hmm. 
and let's broaden it out and open it up to as many people as possible. Modern is incredibly popular format. Um, so it's more of just a like, let's give you places to play these. Let's yeah. make them legal as many places as we can without, you know, and it, I saw a lot of comments about there being fear that this is going to be another Modern Horizon set that's going to totally upend the metagame. That was never the goal here. The goal is to make cool, flavorful cards um, that affect all the formats that are legal in in some way. So there are some cards that are certainly meant for Modern, uh, just like there's a lot of cards meant for Commander. And who knows? I'm not certain, but I, I bet a few of these show up in Legacy as well. Uh, they're certainly fun in just building decks around Lord of the Rings themselves. The limited format's incredible. Uh, so yeah, we just wanted to open up the aperture for where these cards could be used, um, and it, whenever we want to upend modern again, if we <laughs> if that's our goal, um, there are products that you know perhaps another Modern Horizons in the future that would do something like that. But that was never the goal for uh, Lord of the Rings or other universes beyond sets. Okay. Uh, Follow-up question from someone: Why not make it standard legal then? That's a great question. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of good arguments for doing that. I think why we didn't do it, um, it took us so long to build this. The partnership was uh, working with Middle Earth, just so different than anything we've ever done. Uh, when we're in fully in charge of all our own material, we can um, make a set on a certain timeline and we understand exactly how long it's gonna take. We were not sure how long that was gonna take here. Mm -hmm. So we were um, not f fully on board with, um, putting this in standard when we weren't sure we were going to get it done in time or we were going to get all the approvals done in time. So sure. um, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's worth revisiting um, the legality of, of universes beyond booster sets in the future. Uh, I think if I could go back in time, maybe it would have been worth having that conversation again. But mm -hmm. I, I think it would have been a cool addition to standard, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, we love hearing that feedback, too, on both oh sides. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure that there are people out there like, no, no, I'm glad this is modern legal, and they're not speaking up because they already got what they want. But um, I will say I'm certainly happy that we made it legal in alchemy. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of an experiment. Yeah. It's a little more powerful than the sets we're typically putting out in standard, so it may have a, a, an outsized impact in alchemy, wait and see. But it does give you a way to play it uh, in, a, in a smaller format on Arena right away. So we, we have the whole limited environment, the draft format on Arena. Looking forward to that personally. I'm going to be spending tons and tons of time drafting <laughs> this set on Arena. Uh, and then you get Same. to play, you know, build some decks, some cool, uh, you know, elf decks, orc decks, fellowship decks or whatever uh, on Arena and play them in alchemy. Yeah. Um, to follow up on the Commander Precon, so on Thursday you will be able to see the Commander Precons coming out, uh, full list, previews of everything coming from uh, Star City Games Versus, uh, MTG Mudsta, Commander at Home, who's doing their, their first uh, full deck preview, and Command Zone are going out um, kind of hourly throughout awesome. the morning. And yeah. I'll say, much like the Warhammer 40,000 decks, um, these, these decks are completely 100% Lord of the Rings art. Mm -hmm. um, we picked cards that we could reprint with uh, their, their existing names that were good fits in, in Middle-earth, and all of it's got 100% new uh, art themed to Middle-earth. So you know, when you see these deck lists go up, we put a, a, an image gallery up, take your time, like peruse these. It's incredible stuff top to bottom from the lands the, the, all the reprints you're used to seeing, and then and then the several new cards that are each one. They're just it, the whole package is just a an, a work of art. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's you know we were talking about that with the box toppers and picking the reprints and how they go with the art. I think there's a lot of really cool pairings uh, as well for a lot of the reprints as well. Yep. So, 
look for that on Thursday. Um, why no Planeswalkers in the set? Um, we actually had some in there at the beginning. We had a few characters that we had identified and said they would be Planeswalkers. But ultimately, we decided that um, we like Planeswalkers kind of as a, as a core pillar of, of magics. And I, I guess we could broaden that a little bit more to Wizards of the Coasts. Uh, mm -hmm. our, what, what is our, our intellectual property about? What is magic world building and cosmology about? It's about Planeswalkers. We did bend that a little bit when we went to D and D, but hey, there are there are you know down the hall brethren. Didn't seem like a fine fit, but we would like to mostly reserve you know the idea of planeswalkers as something that is unique to magic and something that when you you, you can get in in magic sets that are themed around magic world building, um, but they're not they're not what Lord of the Rings is about. They're not what Warhammer is about, etc. Mm -hmm. etc. Makes sense. Um, this is a good question. Um, for the, the people who worked on this set, for the design team, for the development team, were they picked based on their enjoyment of Lord of the Rings, how familiar they were with the property? How did that work? Yeah, so whenever we're doing Universes Beyond, a new, a new project, we put out a, a, a call to all the designers and even folks outside the design team that are at work elsewhere in Wizards and find the subject matter experts, the kind of super fans mm -hmm. that live and breathe this stuff. Um, and we typically try to make at least half the people working very on the set those kinds of people that are going to understand every detail <coughs> and know when something's not quite right or what line of text is going to perfectly capture something. We'll then fill the team out with just kind of more generalist, you know, magic folks that I think it's good to have a counterbalance of like, well, I don't know what this means. I don't know who this character is, and this yep. card just seems like nonsense to me. And try to get a marriage where both both parties walk away happy and then we just have our you know our, our limited experts that can help tune up numbers and things like that so the bulk of the set and every part through the process um, is <coughs> is super fans of the of the partner IPs filled out the team with with some generalists and some some skeptics I'll say that help us keep us honest when we're designing cards yeah all right I think I can answer a <coughs> couple of these questions quickly uh, is this all the box toppers Yes, that, that, was, that was the remainder of the box stoppers that we did today. Um, will there be more secret layers? I believe we revealed all of the Lord of the Rings related secret layers um, that we're announcing. Uh, why was there no where to find article? So typically we do an article that is where to find all the previews and then it gets updated as we go along. Uh, in short, that article wasn't getting as much traffic as you would think. People weren't using it as a reference as they went along. They kind of looked at it, found if their favorite person had a preview or didn't, um, and that was kind of the extent of it. And so it, it didn't get as much traffic for as much work as was going into it, um, but that doesn't mean where to find is going away. We're looking for basically a better way to do that. What's, what's a more useful way to get the word about, about where to find previews? And we just kind of fell into that space right here where we were still trying to figure that out. So um, where to find will be back in some form or fashion in the future, but we don't know what it'll look like. Um, all right. Aaron, back to you. So one of the cards we looked at today was Battle of Bywater. Yeah. We just released a set with the new card type, Battles. Mm. Uh, so why no, Battles are a big part of Lord of the Rings, Helm's Deep, uh, Destruction of Isengard. Why no battle card types in the Lord of the Rings? Um, I think that's more of a function of the timing of how March the Machine and this set were put together. 
<coughs> um, the timelines on universes beyond are much different than normal magic sets mm -hmm. based on us having to show everything we're doing to to middle earth or whoever our partner is so this set was kind of wrapping up uh, its set design earlier than March of the Machine was. We hadn't even figured out battles were going to be battles. Um, when that mechanic started out, they were kind of a different version of planes, like you'd see in Plane Chase. Like uh, Mark Rosewater wanted to be able to show different worlds uh, on a new card type and have the, a card represent of the world somehow. Eventually, those morphed into battles um, as you know, double-faced cards that you fight over and something's on the back. So by the time we were finishing up Lord of the Rings, battles weren't even really a thing yet. <coughs> And the truth is, even if they were and we had figured them out in time, they were so novel and, and weird mm -hmm. that doubling down on them when we didn't know how the audience was, was going to react was a, be a little riskier than we would normally want to take um, with cards like that. Like If you remember when we launched Planeswalkers back in Lorwyn, the next Planeswalkers didn't come out for like a year um, yeah. because we, we, weren't, we weren't sure that what we were doing was correct or cool. Uh, it was an experiment. Similar with battles, they have gone over well. We will, we will revisit that card type, I promise you that. Um, they're fun, they do really neat things, and they have an interesting flavor, so there will be a set in the future that we use them for sure. Unfortunately, we could not make that happen here. Okay. Uh, you said the word flavor, so I'm gonna take that as my cue to go to the question about flavor text. So um, this set, unlike previous set, the extended art cards have flavor text. That's not something we've typically done before. Is that a change going forward? Is that special for Lord of the Rings? Um, it's, I'm trying to remember what, if we codified this, I, I believe we have codified this for Universes Beyond in particular. Um, we want to find more places to deploy flavor text on a product that is, you know, flavor first. Um, so we can remove reminder text, we can squeeze things in a little bit more. Um, yeah, I believe that was something that, based on our, our experiences here, we have codified for, for all universes beyond products going forward. All right. Um, we're also getting questions about the holiday release. So I'll say right now, we are going to have more information about the holiday release at a future date. I think we're going to talk a little bit about it um, in MagicCon Vegas, if I'm remembering correctly. I might be off on that, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I believe we're talking about it next then. We'll, we'll show off some cards then. There may be some other places where you see some stuff from that. But uh, the, the one question I did think that um, was good to answer. So is the holiday release reprints from the set or new cards? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, there's a thing called scene boxes that are new cards. There's some new cards going into a, ju a jumpstart refresh. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also a lot of the stuff that's in the current set um, being reprinted. I don't, I don't want to give away too much. It's, it's a really different kind of product. I, I think you guys are going to like it. But we have plenty to get excited about right now, yes. <laughs> long before the holidays. Yes, we do. It's, it's, more, it's more a function of we, we have to talk to our distributors and let them yep. know. And yep. so, so all that information is out there. But we'll be talking more about that stuff. Uh, and it's very cool uh, as, as we get closer. Um, I've gotten this question in a couple different ways, and I know we can't go too deep into it, but um, do, we, do we have the option in the future? We've done some, in, some, we call them universes within versions of secret layer cards that are universes beyond. Do we have that option for sets like Lord of the Rings? Um, we have some creative solutions if we end up in a spot where 
we really need to reprint a card out of context. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do want to set set expectations that a lot of why we did universes within with the secret layers um, was an admission that the distribution model of secret layers was difficult for a lot of people, mm -hmm. um, and you know the supply might not have been high enough based on that being the only way to get some of these unique cards, like with Stranger Things, Walking Dead, or Street Fighter. Um, we are making plenty, plenty, plenty of these Lord of the Rings cards. Yes. Um, if you think you would like to own them, they will be readily available to be purchased for, for I imagine, quite a while. Um, so that's not going to be the problem. Mm -hmm. um, there are people that would like us to not have Lord of the Rings IP, and they would like alternate versions of all of these things with magic art. That is not something we're going to, to pursue. Um, we think this is the, the best expression of this material. Um, and there's no need to kind of reskin all of it uh, in a different IP. This is this is this is what these cards are. Gandalf yeah. is Gandalf, and that's who he's going to be. Um, but if we get into some weird situation later where uh, we absolutely have to reprint a Gandalf card for tournament integrity sake or, or whatever, and we can't for some reason make it work uh, with the Lord of the Rings branding, there will be some way to do it. Yeah. Um, not uh, not exactly sure what, but. We that door is open. Okay. All right. Uh, here's a good question. What are some of your uh, or, or one or your favorite archetypes or, or executions in the set? Basically, what's something you thought was a home run from the set? Uh, I mentioned it before, but that blue green elf deck. I mean, I was a sucker for that. My I have a daughter that I named Arwen, um, so I'm a huge fan of this. She's kind of the the Arwen card is the signpost uncommon for the blue-green deck, so every time we would sit down to draft this set in playtesting, I would gravitate towards that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I created the mechanic Scry <laughs> back in my very early design <laughs> days on Fifth Dawn, so it, it super speaks to me on so many personal levels as an archetype, but just the gameplay of, of continuing to find all of your good cards and your deck just works like a, a, a well-oiled machine. Um, I love that super so much. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the, the ring tempts you uh, and how that plays and it not being enough downside or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I get that's everyone's first inclination when they hear about us making a mechanic based around the one ring. We tried that. We really did. We tried every iteration of that possible. When we, we tested it all, um, and it was just clear that that was not something that the average player was going to get super excited about, and we didn't want the, the main through line of the set to be something that people were either scared to play with or had no interest in playing with. So we ended up with what we have right now, and it plays super fun. Uh, you know, I can't wait for you folks to get, get your hands on it at the pre-release. Give it a whirl. Try those cards out. Um, like the, the, ring, the ring helper card that's the emblem on the bottom, the, the ring, the art is perforated, so you can you know, rip that off and mm -hmm. set it on your ring bearer, and it's just a really cool visualization of what's going on. Uh, so yeah, I think that turned out. Really, really well. All right. Um, speaking of which, any early tips on LTR Limited? Go, go blue-green at Scry Elves. Yeah. Um, the Amass cards are better than they look. I think that's something a lot of people learn from uh, War of the Spark. Mm -hmm. You know, Amass seems like a, 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 a little bit of trinket text or something like that. But when you're getting, you know, real creatures or buffing up your, bi your biggest creature, it is a, a huge a huge addition to the battlefield, so uh, don't sleep on, on that mechanic. All right. Uh, all right. Last question we have time for, uh, and I saw it a couple times in here. 
So in previous Universes Beyond releases, we've used flavor words. So words that didn't have rules text, but sort of helped set the scene. But we right. didn't use we did those, those in, in uh, yeah. The Lord of the Rings. Why a lot in Adventures of the Forgotten Realms, yep. a lot of them in, in Warhammer. Yeah. Um, it was kind of the designers, the lead designer, Glenn Jones, his personal choice. He just felt that the rules text carried the weight enough. And it's not like these characters have um, special moves that have titles or mm -hmm. like catchphrases, which is a lot of where these flavor words are really, really useful, is to write those catchphrases or those, the names of their, uh, their signature move on a card. Th this, is not a, this is not an intellectual property that trades in those kinds of tropes. Mm -hmm. um, and so we thought between the, the, the name of the card the rules text itself and whatever flavor text we could fit on, that the story was clear enough um, yeah. that we didn't have to try to come up with uh, catchy little labels for, for a lot of these abilities. So um, a little bit of personal taste there from the designer, a little bit of the, the way the IP is shaped and, and, and um, what's important about it. We will go back to those for sure in other universes beyond products. All right. All right, that is all we have time for. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Aaron, for coming and sharing all these previews with us. Uh, Lord of the, Ring, the Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle-Earth previews continue through this week. Commander previews are on Thursday with those four outlets I mentioned before. We will be back uh, next week, and we're going to do product opening. That's, that's, our, Ooh, that's a fun one. We're just going to come out here and just bust some boosters. Uh, and, and see what we open and talk about what's in each product. So if you're, if you're wondering which product is for you, which you enjoy more, um, which, what's in what product, we're going to talk about all of that next week and, and open some things up, talk about the different slots and the different products and that sort of thing. So that is all the time we have for today. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week.